Hello, and welcome to the Persephone program for March 20th, 2021. The beginning of the astrological year, the spring equinox, or just the equinox, if you are listening, um, south of the equator. And it's a really, it's also, it's also World Astrology Day. Yay! Um, for all the astrology geeks out there, and I would assume that that's pretty much everyone that's listening to this. Um, it's World Astrology Day. How cool is that? And there's so much astrology happening in the world right now. Another aspect of the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius and what may or may not be the Aquarian age. Who cares? Who knows? But we do know that the themes of Aquarius and Uranus and Saturn are at play right now in the collective. And of course, astrology is meaningful astronomy. We gain, we look to the movement of the planets and their positions to reflect to us their archetypal forces or urges. So that's why we can say that, you know, this is what's happening in the collective right now, because the planets all, as you know, represent urges or forces at play in the world, in our consciousness. And they play out in our life in many different ways, but especially as um, energetic forces that we feel, um, both internally and also see literally and figuratively in the world. But of course, we always, always have um, our own ability to filter, um, to change what can be changed, and as well as the courage to, you know, accept the things that can't be changed. And that's what astrology can teach us a lot about that. But what I wanted to tell you about was I wanted to talk a little bit about the Equinox chart for 2021, because the the chart for zero degrees Aries and both, I have two charts that I, I'm going to talk about, one for last year, just very briefly, because we don't need to get into that too much, right? Um, mostly this year is what we care about. Um, but those charts are set for like sunrise, like at 5.38 a.m., in um, Washington, D.C. We're setting it for the seat of our government. And they're really different. Um, You know, last year's chart was, of course, uh, you know, still colored by the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. They were less than five degrees apart, Saturn, I mean, Saturn and and Pluto. Um, We had Mars conjunct Jupiter, Pluto, Saturn, you know, all very, very close. And it was a tough time, you know. Um, It was a time of real difficulty and it's reflected in the the astrology. We had the the sun um, fairly close or within five degrees of separation from Chiron. So there was an issue of like illness and woundedness. Um, there was the terminer planets, the squeeze and grind, the, the difficulty, the challenge, the getting through all really, um, portrayed by the ingress chart of 2020. So, you know, astrologers look at the beginning of things, the birth of things to read the quality of the time. It's like an energetic snapshot. And um, that's what 2020 was. And it really was sort of played out in that chart. That chart is done now. I'm going to throw that chart away. I'm not even going to look at it anymore. Because what we have now is uh, Saturn, Saturn and Pluto um, are nowhere near close, right? We have a 10 degree. Um, They're not considered to be conjunct. Um, Pluto is still in Capricorn for the next 
year and a half or so, very late degree, not really aspecting anything else. Oh, last year we also had all this these um, planets um, close to the lunar nodes too, because the nodes of the moon, which represent the eclipses, were also in Cancer Capricorn. So there was just like a whole bunch of like Dharma karma, hardship really being played out in that chart. And this chart is not like that. We do have um, Saturn square Uranus, that is still there. It's like two degrees of separation, but still, um, it'll be at play all year. But what we have is the sun conjunct an exalted Venus in Pisces. Um, the sun is not conjunct Chiron. It's too far away, really. Um, eight degrees. We have, uh, Jupiter on the ascendant. Um, a lot of really nice energy and, this energy doesn't hit the nodal axis. The nodes, the nodes are all in Gemini. I wrote about it. We've got moon, the north node of the moon and Mars, all in Gemini, all conjoined. Um, you know, the north node in Gemini is very much about, you know, with, with the nodes of the moon, which are really elliptical points in space where the moon's orbit around the earth meets the earth's orbit around the sun. The nodes of the moon are really important in looking at the collective karma and dharma of people. Dharma meaning your path or your your tau, your way. And so with so much energy in Gemini, it's like people are actually looking at the facts now. They're not so concerned with maybe the ideologies and belief systems. Um, people are actually like, okay, I guess the, the vaccine is safe. You know, I'm going to try it. I'm going to look at the facts. It seems to be helping. And lean into what we are learning now about um, this pandemic and the year that we've been through and also what we can do to move forward, which is very much in the Aquarian age. I have been posting, I mean, I've been posting and talking about this for a long time. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking through this. Just know that the year chart, the astrological year chart for 2021 is much improved from 2020. And that's really all that matters, right? Is that we see improvement. You know, not that everything's going to be perfect. That is not the way of this earthly dimension, but that it will be in balance. And that balance is not going to be drifting towards difficulty and darkness. Um, so that's really, really good. I'm so excited about that. And I wanted to mention that I put my book out, Capricorn Rising, today. It is available on Kindle and paperback. Today, March 20th, it is available on Kindle only. It takes a few days for the paperback to be available, but it will be available soon and you can order it. Um, I think it's a good price. Uh, the paperback is under $15 and the Kindle's eight. Um, so it's not too bad. And um, let me know if for some reason you can't afford it and you really want to read it. I will send you um, a free PDF, okay? Because uh, I want you to read it. And anyone that reads it and puts a review up on Amazon, I will also send you, and this is for a limited time, and I'll post about this later, but if you do review on um, Amazon, I will send you a signed copy of the book. Okay, so if you buy it and review it on Amazon, I will send you a signed copy to you on the book and you can just email me at michelle.prentice at gmail.com for a limited time. I want to read you the first chapter of my book. Yay! It's called Aries I Am. The book's divided up into 12 chapters um, with the 12 signs of the zodiac and within each chapter, I tell stories that have to do with the 
uh, archetypes of the zodiac signs. That includes their, the planets that rule them and various other things. Think of it as like a rambling, <laughs> Michelle's rambling, but Michelle's storytelling. And woven within the stories of my life are teachings about the archetypal energy of each signs of the zodiac, their ruling planets, um, associations, tarot card associations, and more. And I tell a lot of stories about my mom because this book is dedicated to my mother. And I really wanted to share how cool my mom was with you. And um, unfortunately, she's passed away. And that means that she can't, you know, be with us uh, to speak, but she does speak through, I think, the stories about her. So um, would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Um, if you do read the book, I am dying to know about that. And um, this book, Capricorn Rising, is dedicated to my mother, Yvonne, astrologer, guide, wise woman, and of course, also to you, the reader, the listener, Thank you. Thank you for um, holding space for me and letting me share. All right, so I'm going to start and read you the first chapter. First, I want to read two quotes that begin the book. Memories affect the way we move forward. David Bowie. Astrology is a language. If you understand this language, the sky speaks to you. Dane Reuter, one of the best and most influential 20th century um, astrologers. Preface. I'll briefly note that there may be confusion regarding whether this is an astrological textbook, memoir, or autobiography. To clarify, it's simply a creation born of my desire to share my life thus far. Experiences, insights, and learnings, hidden knowledge, and more importantly, how I have been able to cope with my allotted portion of life's difficulty using wisdoms gleaned from the symbolic lens of astrological language. This language was first revealed to me by my mother, and its secrets unlocked a world of profound amazement and confidence in the intelligent unfoldment of what we call the universe. Astrology is meaningful astronomy, using ancient archetypes to describe energetic forces at play in life, and most especially in your own awareness or consciousness. One's natal astrology describes the energies present at the moment of birth that can develop into patterns of instinctual response and more. I like to call this organized factor our psycho-spiritual DNA. And in my little book, you'll get a glossary of astrological terms and a true life story to flesh out some of the meanings, along with exercises and journal prompts for you to learn or gain insight into your astrology. Here, I'll describe the energies of the planets and signs of the zodiac using my own life as example. It's probably not going to be a simple cookbook style of learning, but my hope is that as you read these pages and attempt the exercises, you may get some personal aha moments of your life's journey and how astrology can guide and inform you without. throughout. As I've navigated myself through my life's experiences and observed the synchronistic correspondence of the movements of our planets and sun through the seasonal signs of the zodiac, I've become more and more in awe of the cycles of being and becoming indicated by the living energetic archetypes represented by astrology. I want to share this gift with you. Then we have tables um, with all the astrological signs and houses and aspects. So you guys can use it to like grab your chart and use this book also as a workbook. Chapter one, Aries I am. Just like moons and like suns, 
with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still I'll rise. And still I rise. Maya Angelou, Sun in Aries. I'm standing outside my mother's locked bedroom door listening to her sobbing. I'm six years old and scared. I get down on the floor and lay my cheek on the cool tiles to peer under the wood frame, trying to see her, but she's out of sight. Her breathing is hoarse and raspy and her crying sounds muffled as if her face were in a pillow. She sounds desperate and alone. I rise, pull my short dress down over my scraped knees and hug myself tightly. Just before the summer, our father had left us and not come back. Before he left, there were arguments that scared me, but not as badly as this. This is worse. This feels like the end of the world. The cold, hard stone of terror in my stomach feels like a knowing. Mom will leave us too. We will be all alone. I shout out to mom through the door. I promise to make everything okay. I know how to make it better. I will be better. After each sentence, I bang my closed hands against my thighs and stomp my bare feet on the floor. If she can just open the door and see me, she'll know what a big girl I am. I can take care of a lot. I will save us. I am strong and will help with my little brothers and she won't even miss daddy. Not one little bit. In early 1972, when I was five years old, my parents relocated myself and my two younger brothers from the suburbs of Mountain View, California to the mountains of Santa Cruz into a communal home mother nicknamed Rancho Wombo after a skit from the Chicken Little Comedy Show, which aired in the early 70s on TV in San Francisco. Our new home was a huge, isolated, mid-century ranch house at the end of a private road in the middle of a redwood forest. There were seven bedrooms off an open-plan kitchen and living space that looked out over the trees. A veritable paradise for us kids and the Grumps, our new family of friends and relatives who now lived with us. The house was to be an experiment in social living, but really it was one long party. We were all free, especially my brothers and me, the only children who lived there. We had acres of beautiful forest to play in, where we made forts out of the downed tree stumps and collected neon yellow banana slugs to keep as pets. There were occasional kids brought into the house to play with us, but often it was just the three of us creating our own adventures. One of my favorite games was that our garden gate was a portal to another world, one in which everything was alive. We went through it and set off across acres. The forest creatures all had voices and spoke to us, whispering the invisible secrets of the universe. The small stones we unearthed from the rich forest floor were dinosaur eggs with magical powers to give us the powerful gifts of flying, telepathy, and time travel. After hours of playing, we return home, covered in dirt and sticks with leaves in our hair. Guitars and singing drifted from the house's wide-open windows, guiding us home from our ramblings. Rancho Wombo featured its own rock and roll band, the Feltones, who practiced in a shed off the back deck. The lead singer, Fast Matt, lived with us along with his girlfriend, Annie, who dressed like Janis Joplin with strings of beads and rings on every figure, finger. While their parrot, Fred, could say, Roll a joint, Fred, amongst other things. The illustrator Michael Hitchcock, a.k.a. Buzzy Fishtail, came to live with us in 1973, and photographers, dope dealers, and artists wandered in and out of the house daily. My mom was in heaven. She became the high priestess of the house, reading everyone's tarot cards and casting their astrological charts. This was finally the lifestyle that suited her. However, within a year, my impatient father left, not to be heard from again for five years. 
Mother always said he just couldn't stand to live somewhere where he wasn't in charge, and our commune's shared lifestyle was far from hierarchical. He left quickly, like a modern-day Odysseus, embarking on lengthy travels through the Caribbean, Mediterranean, and Atlantic as a chartering yacht captain and smuggler of contraband. Grand adventures for him, but a sad story from my mother, brothers, and me, left behind to grapple with the emotional result of abandonment, insecurity, worthlessness, and fear. In natal astrology, we begin with the moment of birth, the rise of selfhood on earth. A natal chart is one's personal astronomy, captured or reflected as qualities in time. A pattern of archetypal energies or forces represented by the planets in our solar system and their positions and relationships to each other that a human soul enters and embodies. The planets, as they move in their orbit around the sun through the signs and degrees of the zodiac, are placed within the construct of the chart wheel. A 360-degree circle with a cross in the middle, divided into 12 natural houses, ruled by the 12 signs of the zodiac, which begins with the vernal equinox, the starting line of Aries season, and the astrological year. To determine yours, you must use the exact time, date, and place of your birth. You can cast your own chart by hand if you know how, use a computer program, or find a trusted astrologer. It's your very first statement, saying, I am... I have Capricorn on the ascendant or rising, the first house cusp, the natural place of Aries. A first child, I was born under a full moon just 18 minutes after sunrise on December 28, 1966. A double Capricorn coming into life soon after dawn, gifting me with sun near my ascendant. In astrology, the sun represents part of what you are learning to become, and the rising is part of the style in which you get this done. Whatever day you were born, if you were born near sunrise, you'll share your rising sign with the sun. According to my mother, it was a bit of a difficult birth, which isn't surprising with Saturn ruling both these placements. Every sign of the zodiac has one or two planets that influence it, called rulers. Saturn is ruled by Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, whose operating style is to create challenges via obstacles and restrictions to overcome wherever he is placed in one's astrology. For this particular challenge, it seemed I was sideways in utero, and it took several tries to reposition my body head first for birth as my mother started her labor, as well as a pair of forceps to extract my infant self from the comfort of the watery womb. An interesting exercise I've used and recommend you do too is to meditate on your moment of birth, to creatively envision the experience from your current state of being. Use anecdotes from the event, if you have any, from family members, or read about the energy style of your ascendant rising and any planets close to it for clues. Like my example of Saturn on the ascendant as challenge, your nativity's astrology is synchronistic. Meaningful occurrences at birth can symbolize patterns of being and becoming throughout one's life. I've always imagined my own birth falling on a bright morning, the sun powerful in my chart, reflected in the gorgeous sunrise. It's a classic California winter day with clear blue skies and a crisp, cool breeze. I imagine my mother tired but exuberant, semi-drugged in the style of the time. My father and grandparents sit banished in the hospital's waiting room, eagerly awaiting the beginning of the next role of their own lives. Saturn brings a sense of seriousness and responsibility to the group's energy, yet I see the full moon too, visible in the morning sky, placed in the sign of Cancer, a benevolent goddess providing domestic harmony, for a time at least. 
The earliest photos of my life show an attractive, young, middle-class couple with their smiling infant child, happy and glowing. My Aries ascendant Mars-ruled father stands with his arms draped tightly across his wife and child. It's notable that the very first memory I have of my father is dressed as Prince Charming from Disney Sleeping Beauty, accompanying my mother costumed as a Native American maiden to a Halloween party. It seemed the perfect apparel for my handsome father. He embodied everything that a husband and father was supposed to be at the time. Protective, loving, noble, and brave. That is, until he left us. The sign of Aries is the beginning of spring, and its mode of expression is active. Cardinal, as we say in astrology. It's helpful in understanding Western or tropical astrology to think of seasons as describing the zodiac or sun signs. The ancient Babylonians and Egyptians who gave us this organizing principle used the sun's movement across the elliptic, the observed path of the sun around the earth. Each season, from spring through winter, contains three zodiac signs, organized in 30 degrees each, and originally named for the constellations that were visible in the sky in the early first millennia BCE. Each sign has a planet that rules it, and an element, either water, fire, earth, or air, attached to it. The signs all have a specific mode of expression energetically. Cardinal is for beginning or active, fixed as middle or rooted, and mutable as ending or transforming. Cardinal Aries describes the renewal of life, the thrust of growth, inspired action, and initiations. Its planet is Mars and its element is fire, symbolizing inspiration and its ability to warm or burn. From a shadow perspective, Aries can be martial, aggressive, completely reactive, self-centered, and overtly competitive. Each sign of the zodiac is whole and contains polarity points of its general archetype. In astrology, fire and air element zodiac signs are considered to be quote-unquote masculine in their expression. But rather than use sexual gender, it's more helpful to use the organizing factor found in Hellenistic astrology, as the planets and signs are organized into sex of night or day, representing receptive or active tendencies. This can also be described in the Chinese terms of yin-yang. Yin in Chinese philosophy is a receptive force, and yang is an active one, and everything in the universe contains the forces of this balancing act within its makeup. In the tarot, a mysterious symbol of symbolic visual cards used for divination and spiritual contemplation, the emperor card is linked to the sign of Aries. This card can be defined as dominant active leadership focused on building empires and achieving an inspired ideal. Less than 16 months after my birth, my brother Matthew was born smack in the middle of Aries season. With four planets in Aries, he was a young warrior with a head full of bright hair, brilliant, ungovernable, and always moving. Matt was the boy who regularly got into fights at school, later forging deep camaraderies with his opponents. He was also adventurous, competitive, martial, and sure of himself. His favorite game was Kid Army, and his position, of course, was General. Think of the knight Lancelot from King Arthur's Court, Don Quixote from the Cervantes novel, or the character of Arya in Game of Thrones as stereotypical of Ares. Dedicated to their single-minded passion or inspiration, as action-oriented leaders, they are more importantly oriented to leading themselves into directions that are inspired by their inner call. Not all Aries are necessarily overtly assertive, but wherever you have Aries, by planetary placement or house rulership, you'll need to be your own captain. 
your own knight and warrior, to be a leader brave enough to go your own way. My mom used to have little stereotypical phrases for all the astrology signs, a quick shorthand into the ironic essence of the style of the archetype. She was a practicing astrologer for as long as I can remember, and a brief cutting remark with a knowing look was all it took to relay these astro stereotypes to me, her eager student and admirer. Arrogant Aries asshole was cheerfully sing-songed into conversation whenever possible. And it was always possible with an Aries raising father, an Aries son brother, and later my mom's Aries boyfriend, Tad in the mix. She'd laugh at Aries' complete self-absorption and egoic certainty. Her own descendant, the cusp of the seventh house of relationships, describing what one wants from a partner, was Aries. And I know she really did crave their adventurous, active, and self-oriented focus, so different from her own balanced and refined descendant in Libra, which was always focused on others. My own chart features the IC, the Imum Coli, Latin for bottom of the sky, or the fourth house cusp as Aries, 23 degrees. The IC and MC, the bottom and top of that cross, the angles of your chart wheel, describe your roots and wings. This can be interpreted as where you've come from, your family and foundation, versus your career and direction. They also can be used to describe the parental unit and their influence on your life, with the hidden or passive parent at the bottom and the active at the top. It is an amazing fact that my father's ascendant conjuncts my IC, the fourth house cusp, and my mother's my MC. Look at your own. Could your parents be described by the qualities of the signs on the cusp of these two points? Do your parents' planets or angles of their charts hit these points? My little Aries brother and I were joined by a youngest sibling in 1970, my brother Josh. Josh's birth coincided with the time of the planetoid Chiron's transit through Aries. Chiron wasn't discovered until 1977, but we can track its movements far back in time. It seems to represent the potential and process of healing and wisdom through identifying and integrating woundedness. In Aries, Chiron expresses itself as wounds of individual identity that need to be addressed in order to heal the whole. In the late 60s and early 70s, great strides were made in the United States for civil rights. Young people, as represented by Aries, organized, marched, and generally rebelled against the establishment. Tremendous social progress was made by people acting in their own self-interest, Aries, to reform the painful, Chiron, structures and processes of society. As of this writing, 50 years later, we have Chiron returning to this place where we're seeing similar themes arise. This is one of the beauties of astrology, its ability to reflect the experience of human consciousness and behavior in all its variety. Against the exciting backdrop of major astrological collective energies like Chiron and Aries, our Aries ascendant father and Aries descendant mother split. Ostensibly, so my dad could pursue Arian adventures beyond familial responsibility. As I look at the astrology of this tumultuous time in my childhood, I also see Uranus, the planet of revolution, freedom, and change at the very top of my chart by transit and conjoining the midheaven the place of status or direction, while it opposes my Aryan-ruled fourth house of family. This kind of transit or astrological weather indicates change, freedom, revolution. Something new, innovative, and possibly unstable is afoot in my life. 
In fact, my father's long absence created deep instability in my own foundation of security, the parental unit, as well as activated a psychological wound that would take decades to unravel. In medical astrology, Aries rules the head. It's interesting to think that the phrase headstrong is used to describe personalities that are impulsively active and self-oriented. This accurately describes my Aries rising father. Mars is his chart ruler and conjoins his son. Astrological Mars needs to be channeled with a mission. This is a shortcut to understanding and using its energy in your chart in life. My dad had always a laser focus on where he was going next and who or what he was competing against. Where you'll find Mars, you'll need to act, to have a plan or a quest to undertake. The natal Mars sign shows the style you'll express the energy through. Look at your own. My own Mars is placed in Libra and is the focal point of a T-square aspect in my chart, which is when two planets oppose each other at 180 degrees and then square at 90 degrees another planet. The geometric relationship between planets in our 360 degree chart wheel are called aspects, and we can have these relationships with two or even more planets in a chart. The Greeks taught the aspects are how the planets see or don't see each other. With a T-square, the opposing planets both beam their frustrations to reconcile their difference to the planet that they're each 90 degrees from. It's kind of like a built-in pressure boiler with Mars as the valve or handle that releases or contains the energy. Libra also happens to be the, in its detriment in Mars. Domiciles and detriments or falls of planets or points in astrology originated thousands of years ago from the relationship or strength between the planets and their signs of rulership. Mars rules or has domicile in Aries, and it co-rules Scorpio. In these zodiac signs, it really expresses itself clearly and without impediment. In Aries opposition, Libra, it's weaker, as it vacillates and tries to kind of balance self-desire with the desire to please others. My Mars in Libra has been responsible for lots of frustration. I do have a need for harmony that impedes my desire to win over others, and it sometimes sublimates my own direct expression of self-assertion. Approximately every two years, Mars by transit returns to the place it was when we were born. The Mars return is responsible for what's called the terrible twos. The house and sign position where you find Mars in your chart will show how your instinctual warrior behaves. behaves. In childhood, this time can be an opportunity to discover and exercise one's own will and to find a mission to accomplish on your own. At six years old and under the energetic force of my third Mars return, I found myself compelled to take charge of my mother's emotional state by taking on responsibility in my father's absence. Before her locked door, though I knew myself as a child, I attempted to release the pressure of fear uncertainty and loss of my father by naming myself protector. This pivotal time in my early life was when an unconscious and lifelong pattern emerged where taking action, Mars, and responsibility for life's events became both a part of my defensive armor and a tool to wield in order to find emotional and physical safety. Aries, Mars, Ascendant, and First House exercises and journal prompts. If you have your chart, what zodiac sign is on your Ascendant? 
This is your personal I am statement to others. Find it and contemplate your general style. Write a paragraph or two on what this style means to you. Creatively imagine your birth. Whether you know anything about it or not, visualize the scene in your mind. Was it day or night? What comes intuitively to you about it? Write this down in your journal. Where is Aries in your chart? Do you have planets in the sign? What house has Aries on the cusp? You'll approach this area of life in an Arian way, as well as have experiences in life that allow you to express the archetype. Where is your Mars? Do you blow up like a Mars in Aries, seek vengeance like Mars in Scorpio, or go off on a verbal tirade like Mars in Gemini? List by sign, house, and aspects. Okay, so that was, wow, that went really fast. <laughs> that was the first chapter. So you can see that it's kind of a mishmash of um, teaching about astrology and stories of my life that relate to the astrology. And um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope that um, it's good. I already noticed that there's like a couple typos in it. Ugh, exhausting. But you know what? It's the best it can, it's the best I could do for now. And um, there's more later. I have another book project of my mom's Ouija board journal stuff. 40 years of contacting a spirit guide through the Ouija board. It's pretty amazing. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. That's my next project. We're gonna, I'm going to talk to you about what it was like to be a young teenage girl helping my mother um, by doing the Ouija board with her, essentially, um, contact her spirit guide and and um, what it was like to have that kind of guidance throughout my life was really very cool. And I want to share all the like really interesting, relevant information that we got from this um, spirit guide, Rath Sheba. Kind of sounds wild, but it's all true. And every story in my book is true. And of course, it's not all the, you know, and it's my experience, of course. Um, and it's not all the stories. Definitely didn't name all my friends and all my stories. How could I? You know, I wanted to to do stories that um, were relevant to the astrology as they rose in me, you know, inspirationally. So there's a lot more. Anyway, thank you for listening and happy, happy spring equinox, new astrological year. Um, blessings on you. Vaccines are coming. Um, and uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about what we can grow together this year. And thank you again for for listening and being, um, you know, holding space for me to share with you. Have a beautiful day. Um, and more later. Bye.